0: Traveling
1: the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 351. And this podcast merely enables us to be wrong with the authority. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you
2: guys? Very good. Good. Excellent. Now you can use the same... Open that I thought of earlier in the week and forgot to tell you about when I got here. <laughs> oh, I, apparently our minds are in sync. Apparently that might be so. scary. Apparently so. <laughs>
3: so does that mean you're both wrong with authority? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Did you guys have a good week. Yeah, it's pretty good. It was a, 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 a good. It was a week <laughs> long. Um, I had the Katrina on Saturday. Mel's at a conference in uh, St. Louis. Should be on her way home now. And um, so I had Katrina, and she wore Papa out. God, what did we do? We played video games and um, went to uh, Sam's and had pizza and did some early Christmas shopping. Well, not really shopping. We did some Christmas looking. As in, <laughs> she ran into the toy aisle and said, I want this, 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 and this, and Papa made notes. Um, <laughs> and then Christmas we, browsing. Yeah, Christmas browsing, yeah. Went to the park and played for like two and a half hours. We went home and had uh, taquitos and nachos, which she'd never had a taquito before, so she wanted the recipe. So she could take it home to her parents. I just gave her the box and said, here, you know. I worked really hard on this, let me tell you. We watched Ernest Scared Stupid.
1: What would you think of that?
3: As she sat with her hands over her eyes and really tried not to pay attention to it because the troll was scary. And I'm like, really? And then, It's not just Sarah. <laughs> well, as I watched it, I realized I don't think I'd ever seen it. Really? Like, I don't remember any of this movie I remember there was a troll movie with Ernest but that's about it like I thought he was green and you know he wasn't he was brown and I just everything was cool I'm going to cross this one off my list because apparently I've never seen it <laughs>
1: <laughs> add it to the list and cross it off <laughs>
3: I, I, I got a Halloween movie knocked out this week
1: <laughs> I saw your post about that and thought yep that's a Sean Halloween movie
3: <laughs> and then uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't post it but we watched uh, Toy Story uh, what's the Toy Story of Terror a little short, which is mm-hmm. still one of the greatest things ever. Yeah. But I've seen it like a hundred times now. Today we got up and we went and met with my mom and had chocolate chip pancakes for Ooh, breakfast. She had just just had a great time, and then I dropped her off and then I picked up Shy from Jesse's house. <laughs> and then I had the Lee, the wee one the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm exhausted, just flat out <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> To the point where I'm considering calling in to work tomorrow, just being like, no, you have to go on without (laughs) me. I can't do it. Sounds like a good weekend. What'd you do, Glenn? You did everything.
2: I did lots of stuff this week, but I can't remember half of it. I I watched a bunch of stuff. Let's
3: start with your Halloween challenge, which I'm so proud of you. I watched the two
2: episodes of Inhumans this week, which maybe that was last week, and I just forgot to add it. No, you mentioned last week that you hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, okay. Because so we I watched, hadn't watched it either. I, I watched, watched the two yet. episodes of the Inhum- Inhumans, which I think is a pretty good start to the series. Um, it does lack in effects, which I kind of expected going in. And it was nothing like the graphic novel collection that I read for <laughs> Sonic Youth. So they're actually borrowing some ideas and some parallels, but the, this story is actually more interesting and compelling. Um, I watched uh, The Gifted, the first episode wow, of Gifted. Wow, was which, fantastic. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah, really, really liked it. No, I started, yeah, as I mentioned last week, I started my October movie challenge, which, again, thanks to Adam for posting the <laughs> picture and idea for me, um, for to me. So the just in case anybody here last year, the gist of it is there's 31 days of things you're supposed to do for Halloween or for uh, uh, October horror films. And the first one was 1920s to 30s, and so I watched an old, old, old film, 1930s two's, The Monster Walks. It was pretty decent. It was good. It's, there's not a lot of horror to it. It's more of a thriller, more of a terror, um, because there's no supernatural element to it. But um, it was mm. it was good. Um, then uh, for day two is 1940s to 50s. I watched the Double Bat, which has Bella Lugosi in it. Oh, and uh, he plays a mad uh, scientist that's working for a cosmetic company, and he seeks <laughs> revenge. <laughs> he re- seeks revenge on his. Um, employers because without them knowing he's working for them but he creates these giant bats to attack the family and take out the members because they're making money off of his inventions 60s to 70s i watched the city of the dead the brits might recognize that it's actually called horror Horror hotel when it was released here in uh, the u.s and it has christopher reeve or not reeve christopher lee in it uh in a somewhat minor role he's not in it a lot he he's in at the beginning he's in towards the end quite a bit at the end is that a hammer film? it's not a hammer film but I think it might have been American International which was they did high hammer style style films but released in the US interesting thing is it's a British film it was completely filmed in Britain all of the actors are British but everybody was uh, used American accents because (laughs) it's set in Massachusetts oh okay so um, everybody had an American accent and it's about a town that this girl goes to because she's studying witchcraft not she's not studying to be a witch that's like her senior thesis history of witch, witches oh, okay. and witchcraft and stuff so she goes to this town on the advice of christopher lee's character because he's her and her professor in school and she goes there to study further and gets falls into occultic cultic witchcraftic uh, craft uh, there it wasn't a great film there's uh some good acting in it but it was it's a bit boring at times mm-hmm. not a lot going on And for the 1980s to 90s, I did Ghoulies. That was for day four, um, which I thought I had seen and watched the whole film, didn't remember a dang thing about it. So it was kind (laughs) of like, uh, scared stupid, I went. (laughs) And that was what I kind of set out to do is to watch films in this challenge that I hadn't seen or hadn't seen in a long time. And I thought, okay, Ghoulies, I haven't seen that in a long time. I listened to uh, uh, another podcast called The Purple Stuff Podcast, and they do almost kitschy 1980s horror and and sci-fi and kind of stuff like that and pop culture stuff and he had talked about the ghoulies on there and it piqued my interest because i thought i think i've seen that i watched it it's not a good movie at all <laughs> but it's so campy and fun i mean it's not even fun it's just campy and fun to watch you know mm-hmm. that I, I i got out of it what i think you're supposed to get out of it for a 1980s <laughs> horror film Uh um, a
3: scared stupid same <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which i think you know with the the troll in it it could have been my horror comedy i suppose Anyway, so uh, uh, eight
3: bumper with booger lips
2: number five, two thousand to two thousand ten. I did the ring because I had never seen the ring before. So the the ring, not Ringu. No, not Ringu. Just the okay. ring. Yeah, I did the ring. Wasn't oh,
1: so sure if it was the American or not.
2: Uh, and Caitlin, watch that one with me. Good concept, but there's some questionable delivery on the <laughs> the the connection of it. How it how it works just mm-hmm. didn't seem to be fulfilling. Or the the the. I, I'm hoping that the ring two maybe. Fills out a little bit about how the girl was actually able to do this kind of stuff because that's not there. It's just all kind of left as this mystery of how she was doing all this anyway. So it, it's entertaining. I'll give it that, and I, I know why it's such a, a pop culture thing because there's there are a lot of unusual and unique ideas about it, and it's genuinely spooky. I mean, it, there's oh, yeah. a lot a lot of spooky mo- po- points of it. Uh, and then on Friday, I did um, for movie release this year. I did The Mummy with uh, Tom Paul. Cruise it's a good start to the dark universe unfortunately i keep looking at that 14 rating 14 percent rating it got a Rotten tomatoes (laughs) which i think is unjustified i think so too and that concerns me because i felt like it was a pretty decent start um the surprise of who russell crowe is is wow yay it's it's fun it's a fun film it's a it's a good popcorn flick i wanted it to be like iron man to be the the big jumping off point i want it to be like godzilla the big jumping off point for
3: it's not it's it, it is it establishes some baselines you don't have to construct a shared universe i think is where everybody's rushing to get to that you know it, it's all got a tie in it's like you could do they're all monsters that's your tie-in that's you know you just that's all you need that's and, all they did
1: back then i mean
2: you don't have to be more elaborate than that then on saturday for uh, book. To movie adaptation uh, Caitlin and I went to the theater And saw It How was the new It? Really good is Well it? actually we saw The first half of the book <laughs> It
3: which you, said, you saw chapter one I didn't know
2: Yeah We saw It chapter one I didn't know They were only doing half the book oh, It wasn't yeah. until we got Probably about Two thirds of the way To the film I went this isn't going to end where I think it's going to end.
1: <laughs> where are the adults at? Well,
2: and then when I, that realization hit me, I thought, this is genius. This is how you do. This is how you split a book into two films right here. <laughs> you you pick a book that's literally two different books. And yeah. That was, yeah, that was that was cool. And man, okay, I've been watching horror movies for years. So it really takes a lot for a horror movie to creep me out or to make me jump even. And this one's creepy, and it made me jump, and I don't care what anybody says about this Pennywise... He's great. This guy really pulls off the creeps. Now I love Tim Curry in the From first one. Heard that Don't get me wrong. What he's he does wonderful
1: with this new one is perfect for the actual film. Exactly. It t- that's exactly It takes exactly you a little bit to warm up to realize what they're going to do, and you're well, initially put off by him at first because it's not Tim Curry. That's
2: the thing is they start us with that iconic beginning of the original TV series where he, where Georgie has lost the uh, boat. It's down in the uh, 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 sewer drain. And Pennywise is standing there looking out eye level. And the only reason I think that's appropriate because the book cover I had was nearly that, except for it was the boat, the drain, and then I think you saw the hand. The, the Yeah. You didn't yeah, see the clown. You saw the hand. So, But that was nearly perfect to me because I thought I really liked the way they did it in the TV series, TV miniseries, and they did that there. And then once you... Even from that get-go, when he starts performing, you realize this is a different type of Pennywise, and I—I I was just captivated by the actor that did this. It was—it was fantastic. It's well directed. All of the kids are wonderful. They do a fantastic job. It's—it's it's creepy. It—I couldn't—I can't tell you how close it is to the book because I read the book literally thirty years ago, <laughs> and haven't read it since. What most of what I remembered from it was from the television miniseries because yeah. I had seen that more recent then I did the book, but from what I do remember the book, there's it's it's there's a good chunk of it there. Um, and then the last thing I did was I want for horror comedy, which was today's. I did uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil.
3: And
2: uh, yeah, there it, and it is, was kind uh, of began. Yeah, you were a big fan of
1: Slither, so it, yeah,
2: it was. It's mildly amusing, it's fun. It's the the I think the biggest problem I had with it is I went into it the mentality of it being a horror film and it's more just a It's a it's an accidental slasher it's film. It's an acc <laughs> that's the problem with it. It's an accidental slasher film. And from that perspective, it's it's when you go into a horror film and you have a motivational evil, the graphic violence is acceptable because the evil is what's portraying the violence. When it all becomes an accidental parody of that kind of thing, it the violence then becomes elevates to an unnecessary level for me, and that's what it was. The, I'm surprised I've made it eight days into this challenge. Oh, yeah, you've been doing great. I was what? like At the beginning of this, I thought, oh, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> I, I,
3: let me tell you, I am not kidding when I say how proud I am of either of this, because you mentioned it last week, and you were genuinely kind of excited by it, but then you were having that worried, uh, I'll probably get a couple days into it and give up, especially starting with... You know the aughts. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of a well. That, a wasn't, challenge that there. wasn't
2: that far back. It was twenties to thirties, but
3: but that that could be a challenge there and, and a little off putting to people. For most people, not for not, me. Not for me. You know, I was
2: actually re- I was I was reveling in the fact that oh, we're starting in an area that I love.
3: <laughs> so, as the as the updates came out and they kept coming, and they kept coming, and every day there was no I was like, "Hey, well, he's really kind of chucking along with this." And then I thought, well, when we get to the current stuff, when we get to a movie release this year. Or, uh, you know, the horror comic. Yeah, that's where he's going to kind of drop the ball. And then you didn't. And he kept going. And then I went, wow, Glenn's really... Glenn's going to... I haven't even posted my Halloween pictures yet for the pictures. <laughs> and I plan on doing that one. This well, one, I kind of knew I wasn't going to get to it. Here's the
2: thing. is I, That was the other thing. I had, I had kind of planned this first week around going and seeing It with Caitlin. And it wasn't until I got halfway through the re- week that I realized I was going to do It for released this year for a film release this year and i actually got up to thursday and realized oh wait a minute that's on a friday and i was like that i can't do it for my release this year and so i went to my list and i looked and i realized oh on the 7th which is the day that we could go is a book to movie adaptation <laughs> i thought well this works <laughs> so
3: i'm very proud that you're sticking with it yeah as i said well, let's here, see here how we are. This eight week. days into the let's month, see how this I still week have goes. yet to post a photo for my Halloween challenge. Let's see how this week goes. Keith, what did you do this week? I watched John Wick Two, and it was okay. I, act, I better than the first one. Aspects of
1: it. So I think the action in the first film was better. I would agree. with But that. I like the story of this one better, and the world building in this one is a lot better. Because while these films they have great action and quite a bit of it there is still a lot of it not action. It's him getting ready, it's him going, doing whatever. It's And then long action scene, and then back to doing whatever. So for that aspect of it, I like this one better because it had all of those. The, the, the in-between action was more interesting to me. Gotcha.
3: I can't wait for They're doing the third one. So I, I'm, I'm I excited.
1: I'm, I'm a bit more excited now for the third one, having enjoyed the second one a bit more. And then I finished Defenders, which was pretty good. I thought, um, not as great as it could have been. I agree, I agree. It, but some of it kind of justifies some stuff in Iron Fist. That's what I was saying. It's <laughs> exactly what so, I was saying, and it's small stuff in Iron Fist. It's yeah. nothing about his character or, or the main well, plot of the Iron. Do, of iron do you Fist, you agree but it's important that, why Iron Fist comes first? Yes,
2: agreed. But do you also agree that it makes Danny Rand a lot more tolerable? Yeah. It does. The the, the the series makes it a lot more tolerable. And yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of the reason why they did Iron Fist first makes total sense. Oh, yeah, you had to do it. I, I kind of wish... Don't skip Iron Fist. Yeah, don't skip Iron just, Fist. If you don't like it, just keep plotting through it and get done, because there yeah. are plot elements to Defenders, which is a much better huge
1: series. Huge plot elephants. Uh, how, how do you guys elephants? feel? About I thought elephants? you said elephants. Huge, <laughs> huge plot elephants. Plot elephants. elephants. <laughs> don't well, forget to look I for the like elephants. that.
3: I'm going to start using plot elephant. <laughs>
1: Considering the ribs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Without saying too much about the ending, I kind of wish they... I felt they pulled their punches a little bit too much. I, I feel like that's not the end of the hand. It's obviously not the end of the hand. I kind of wished it was because I think the hand has kind of run its course. And I don't kind of want them to do something Well, different. yeah, and after doing over four, five series, well, four series. The hand wound up kind of falling flat for me a little bit. And then the fact of what they did with Matt at the end of the episode, a season... I knew the outcome of that. Well, I sort when of it figured, happened. Yeah. I, I, they, they had, sort had of announced figured season myself. 3. So you know nothing Oh, <laughs> I hadn't even seen the season 3 announcement. <laughs> but, well, I think they announced I, that after season 2. Yeah. So well, it's kind of like that's, that's Right. Yeah. Well, it's empty, just empty kind of frustrating. I agree. Well, well, it's an
2: empty
3: cliffhanger.
1: Well, no. No, because no, because they resolve it before but the But it end. takes the emotional punch out of it. It does take uh, the emotional okay. punch out of it. The only other thing I did this week is I've started making Sarah watch Stranger Things because she didn't watch season one, oh, so we're rewatching that so we can get ready for
3: season two. And how's she handling it? Good,
1: she's fine with it. It's pretty much all I did this week. Gemma has a tooth that's come already broke through the surface a little bit already. Yeah. Well, let's move on the news then. Not very surprising, the Doctor Who Christmas special is going to be in U.S. cinemas. <laughs> that's kind of the <laughs> the going trend. In other news, Big Finish announced a new countermeasures season, series two. So I guess they're not as far in new the new countermeasures as far as I thought. Uh, what makes this one extra special? It features the Yeti and the Night and and the Great Intelligence, with a story what written by Andy Frank About <laughs>
2: Oh,
3: that was a drum roll. Ah. He just took forever to get to it. It's not
2: like a <laughs> helicopter flying from a far distance. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth
1: story in the box set of the four box of uh, four adventures, written in "Time of the Intelligence" by Andy Frankham Allen.
3: Yay! Yay! So those who don't know, so he's the season finale. He is the season finale. Ooh.
1: Uh, countermeasures is the team from Remembrance of the Daleks, featuring Gilmore. Chunky. Chunky yes. Gilmore. Chunky Gilmore. So apparently Big Finish did previous adventures of Countermeasures, and these are the new adventures of Countermeasures. Yeah, they
2: did a they did a set that I think took place in the nineteen sixties. The first uh four series, I think, took place in the nineteen sixties. And so this brings it up to modern day, yeah. I think. Yeah, the new series.
1: So it's partially in uh the fifty Anniversary of the Abominable Snowman, yeah. part of why they're I'm putting this out. That's pretty cool. That is that so is cool. That's really cool.
3: Congrats, Andy. And we'll get those on the schedule
2: eventually. Well, we're Sometime. putting Countermeasures, the first series, on in January. And then in February, when this comes out, December. Or, oh, is it December? This, when this is comes December. Out? So we're going to put it on the schedule for <laughs> December. And for the first countermeasures, and then in January after this year, we'll have uh, the new counter series. We are. Countermeasures series on. Yep. Well, I don't know. Somebody's got to do the schedule because it's not up past next week. I have no idea what we're doing after time, Eddie. So. I know. Isn't it
3: exciting? <laughs> <laughs> the tension is terrible. I hope it'll last. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll call in SEP tomorrow and do a schedule. <laughs> I'm making all these jokes about calling in sick, at this point, I, I, I may just follow through with it. it. May not even be a threat. I'm not, not going to be there.
2: It's no longer a threat. It's a promise.
3: <laughs> course, then you guys will uh, t- like ask me. So where's the schedule? It's like t- I slept. Tune back
2: <laughs> in next week to see if Sean actually <laughs>
1: took the day off. Make a note to make sure to ask.
3: Isn't it awesome that I can make these jokes because nobody at work listens to this? <laughs> that
2: was an interesting thing that happened to me this week. So. I'm at work and there's this girl who's an editor for us and she's been with us for nearly like eight or nine months, almost a year. She's in fact, she's just taking on another job and, and leaving in a few weeks, but she's been around for like nine months and she's sitting there and we're she, she's, a, she's an editor and she's a director sometimes. She's been directing this week because one of our directors is off. And so she's sitting in the back there with me and she goes, how long have you been doing your podcast? <laughs> and I said, oh, I don't know. I think we're coming up on seven years or something like that. She goes, oh, that's pretty cool. And so in my head, I'm thinking she must have, somebody must have told her or she must have come, you know, a, across recently or she's just. I said, oh, have you recently listened to this show? And she goes, no, I used to listen to it a long time ago when I worked at JCPenney's. I was like, really? <laughs> she said, yeah, it was like two or three years ago. She said, we were into Doctor Who, a bunch of girls at work and I used to watch, you know, Doctor Who. And then we listened to Traveling the Vortex. What? I said, what? I said, you don't listen anymore? She says, well, I don't. She says, I haven't watched Doctor Who much lately, and I don't I'm not, I don't hang out with these girls anymore that we chat. But that was our thing, is we would watch Doctor Who, we'd listen to the show, and then we'd talk about the show you guys recorded. And I said, are you kidding me? We were an After Who show? We were an After Who show. They would listen to us when, yeah. And there'd be discussions and they discussion they would discussion. They weren't talking about Doctor Who. They were talking about our show. That's here in town at this J.C. Penney's. There's girls that were listening to our show. We have wow. groupies. It blew me away. I don't know that they're groupies, <laughs> but there were girls listening to the show here, and I was like, "Wow, that's."
3: I'm pretty sure the definition of groupie is girl who listens to your show, but you know, I'll, I'll let it slide.
2: No, I'm pretty sure that there's more to a groupie than that. But usually they group around. There's, they're not hanging outside the door waiting for us to leave. So um, no. It's well, they just, can't
3: because somebody put the Google address in wrong. Oh, <laughs> well, we don't even meet. Where with the Google address is near? <laughs> so yeah, that was a I was cheap just, shot, Glenn. I'm i was—I was, like, I was <laughs> like,
2: "Wow, this is how bizarre." we well, has been there for nine months, and she finally tells me before she's leaving, "Hey, how long well, you been doing the podcast?" What? Wow.
3: Hmm. Well, welcome. Uh, ladies, Chelsea and yeah, the, the girls at
2: JCPenney's. Oh, I Oh, not remember don't know their names. But... oh, was Chelsea there when you were there? Yeah, she was working oh, okay. part time when Dave okay, was. Okay, that's sick. right.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, she oh. listened to the show. Not anymore, but she, <laughs> she <listens> to <laughs> the show. used to. She used to listen to the show. Well, hopefully, the hope. JCPenney ladies still. I hope listen. they are too. That was just that was that was crazy. I was like, wow. I don't. I rarely run into anybody I don't already know that listens to the show. Yeah, in in, in Topeka, you know, I, I don't. Don't run into anybody else anywhere else either because we don't live there. But thanks for that. <laughs> that was that was obvious, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> so okay, does this beg the question? Then do, do we really need to get serious about putting together a Doctor Who meet and greet here in town? We down? probably do. I've been probably.
2: waiting for you to do it.
1: Oh, why is it... we, we tasked Chris with the job. Oh, that's, oh, right. that's we did tra- right. We did, did test Chris
3: we? with the job. That's right. Chris, how you coming on that, buddy?
2: <laughs> that's enough for me to get together here once a week to talk about. Doctor. I might
3: be off tomorrow if you need some help. <laughs> of
2: course, by the time this show goes out, it'll be too late.
3: That's the beauty of it. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. So, our last bit of news. Uh, unfortunately, Sylvester McCoy had to cancel his appearance at Time Eddie this year. Oh, Don't worry, they're still going to put on a fantastic show. Yes, they are. There's yep. still a lot of great guests. Katie Manning, and he Matthew had Water great Alice. reasons for canceling. He had a work commitment. Yeah.
3: And not just any work commitment. A uh,
1: work commitment. Sean's very excited. I'm about. very
3: excited about his work commitment. And I'm going to make you go look it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We should do that. We should do a scavenger hunt where we make references to things but don't explain them. And then at the end of the show, we'll say, if you found all of the things that we talked about, let us know, and you win a prize. No.
2: <laughs> because if I listen to a podcast that made me do work, I don't think I'd listen to that podcast anymore. <laughs>
3: What if you were on a podcast that made you do work? I'm already on a podcast (laughs) that makes me do work. (laughs) That's kind of where I'm at.
1: (laughs) That's it for news.
3: Even Billy, he says, What are you doing today? i was like, I got to get this, I got to watch this thing. I got to watch some Doctor Who. He says, Oh, okay. He says, I'll watch with you. He says, Which one is it? And I said, Well, it's one of the lost ones. He goes, Pictures. I said, Yeah. He goes, "Uh, Okay. How many parts? six
2: ah but only four of those parts is pictures
3: well that's why i didn't know that at the time Uh. so i was really
2: glad i was like oh this one's (laughs) like
3: you do get kind of excited when you get to that (laughs)
2: yeah my first clue was the corners weren't rounded anymore (laughs) i was like well the corners aren't rounded is it ah (laughs) because i knew there were some that were i i
1: didn't realize it either
2: yeah well let's finish up uh Sorry, news I was here. I no, that's it. all right. Well,
1: that's, that's it for news. So let's go on to pledge drive results. Pledge
2: drive, da, 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 da. Pledge drive results from this week. We actually had some people that um, uh, became patron or raised their uh, pledge amounts for the show, and we appreciate <laughs> that very much. What we're going to read those out on the show. Uh, Rachel uh, upped her pledge. Chrissy upped her pledge. Trevor new. New Patreon subscriber, welcome Trevor. Uh, we hadn't you. heard of pa- uh, Trevor. Maybe he's been listening. Maybe he listened with the girls at JC Pennies. I don't know, but uh, he uh, pledged to our show. We appreciate that. Uh, Brittany also upped her pledge, and then uh, Kurt, who had, a, <laughs> yeah, he did have a little uh, issue with Patreon uh, accidentally, uh, but he's got that resolved, and he made a pledge uh, upped his pledge for the show as well. So, so we thank you
3: very. much. I don't much. know if you can see this, but on the thermometer, we went from here. To hear, So thank you very much for that.
2: If we had not done that show live on Facebook that week, we could have got away with holding up something that really wasn't a thermometer and saying (laughs) we could could have said, you know, our big patron sign in the back. Heck, we could have had people on cell, on uh, phone banks, on on a podcast that wasn't broadcast on Facebook
3: Live. But we did have (laughs) them. They were just behind the curtain. (laughs) They were behind the curtain. Uh Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, thank you, everybody. for planning on my part. I probably thank should you. have put them in front of the curtain.
2: Thank you, everybody, who uh, are supporting us on there. Those of the, you that continue to support us, because there are a lot of people that continue to support that we did not read out, we appreciate all that you do for us as well, and, and your pledges as well. Uh, and we do want to take this moment to remind you that if you would like to contribute to the show, become a patron of Traveling the Vortex, go to our uh, website, travelingthevortex.com. On the right-hand side of the page, there is a button. It will take you right to Patreon. Click on that button, and you can uh, pledge to the show there uh, as well. So, or not as well. That's where you go. (laughs) There's no other place to pledge to the show wholly. But uh, so do that if you can, and we appreciate it. Unless you
3: really want to slip an envelope full of unmarked bills under the door of the men's room, I'll send you an address.
2: Uh, What's next? What's what's, what's, next
3: in the?
1: Up next is feedback. You got that one, Sean?
3: No. We've got... Did we have feedback? We've got Chrissy. Chrissy. Oh, that's right. Chrissy did write feedback. I did not read Chrissy's feedback, but I saw that it came in. Chrissy writes, Space Rodents. Dear Vortex Boys, first off, your Pledge Drive (laughs) episode was a lot of fun. It was great to see the inner workings of a Traveling the Vortex recording session. I wouldn't mind seeing more of these on Facebook Live. Not every week, mind you, otherwise they lose their specialness, but every once in a while could be good. Well, I don't have Brit Box, so I didn't get to watch the recon of The Wheel in Space. I don't have any audio versions either, but I do have a digital copy of the novelization, so I did read that. And it was interesting experiencing the story with the book first. I only had a cursory knowledge of what happens in the story before I read it. Zoe joins Team TARDIS, Cybermen are involved, etc. But that's it. The book is my first full and proper introduction to this particular story. This is a basic Second Doctor base under siege story, but I think what gives it its charm is the details, especially with the characters in the setting. Maybe all these little details are only in the novelization and not necessarily in the televised story, but that fact is just yet another reason to read the novels as well as watch the TV stories. They add an extra dimension to the story, because, you know, Doctor Who fans totally need more material to consume in sarcasm. Here are some things I liked about this book. The TARDIS tempts the Doctor and Jamie to leave when they arrive, but the Doctor just ignores it like he always does. The robots on the rocket encounter the TARDIS and sense that it is impossible, and end up dismissing its presence. Since it was impossible, it could not have happened, so it was not a problem. I love that little aside. (laughs) Meanwhile, outside the wheel, a string of silvery bubbles drifted onto the outer skin and then disappeared, somehow seeming to pass through the metal. I'd be curious to see how the TV episode managed to portray that effect, how it looked. Fingers crossed that this story shows up in a broom closet in a Nigerian TV studio or something. Yeah, because
2: we'd be curious to see how that happened, too, because (laughs) it doesn't come across until it snaps very well. Not quite.
3: Zoe was a librarian on the wheel. That makes me ridiculously happy. Chapter 8 is called The First Death. Thanks for spoiling it, chapter title. (laughs) I I had that same thought myself when I got to that chapter, Chrissy, and then I stopped and went... Well, it was bound to happen eventually. (laughs) I guess we're just to that point in the story. Uh, Cybermats are called Space Rodents, so there's my feedback title. Jamie, spoiling Zoe's recording. Absolutely adorable. These two are already clicking. The Doctor's interaction with... Is it Gemma or Gemma? It's Gemma. Gemma. It's Gemma. You would think I would know this. It's the
1: British spelling. Yeah. It the American way.
3: His concern for her when she said her husband had died, the Second Doctor always seemed to care about people as individuals in his adventures, thinking of his conversation with Victoria in Tomb of the Cybermen. Zoe crawling into the TARDIS in order to avoid the Doctor noticing her before they leave speaks volumes about her character. Not just that she's a super brainy girl from the future, but that she feels she HAS to be sneaky. It's like she feels guilty for leaving her duties on the wheel, but she wants an even bigger adventure with the Doctor. Yes, I gleaned all of that about <laughs> Zoe from one small scene at the end. These are my small, random, and somewhat disjointed thoughts on this. But I enjoyed reading this book. It was a quick read and a lot of fun. And now the wheel in space is further up on my list of lost episodes that I'd like to see found. I'll close up here. Hope you all have a great week. Talk to you later. Chrissy.
2: Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy.
1: And of course, don't forget you can send us feedback by going to our website. While you're there donating to Patreon, you can just click on the Send Us Feedback tab and fill out that form, or you can send it directly to feedback at travelingthevortex.com. Let's move on to our review. The Wheel in Space. When the TARDIS rematerializes inside a rocket, the Doctor and Jamie are alarmed by the presence of a hostile servo robot. They discover that the rocket is drifting in the orbit of a giant space station. The Wheel in Space. Once inside this magnificent spaceship, they are bewildered by its complexity and sheer size. The technicians and programmers are highly trained, but who are they working for? Suspecting the worst, the Doctor is still horrified to find a deadly Cyberman in control. What evil plan are they plotting? Who or what are the Cybermats? Can the Doctor trust anyone on board to help him stop the wheel as it spins relentlessly through space? That is a very misleading synopsis Yeah, a little bit (laughs) Wow, novelization (laughs) (laughs) Because obviously we don't have a DVD case to read it off of
2: That's how the publishers wanted it too. Oh, that's true
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I really enjoyed this story I did too, I liked it a lot
3: I was really curious to hear your take on it Being the the resident Cyberman fanatic
1: and, And the final Cyberman story So far
3: For you for me right okay
2: yeah. <laughs> i say i think this was like third or fourth I was, I was, <laughs> my, my brain had
3: to start going through the chronology before i went whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. no not, not that's not what he meant uh, okay. <laughs> for me it's I'm pretty my...
2: sure the one we saw just <laughs> recently was series 10 the was
1: last the, one yeah my last year story uh
2: had you read the book before you read it recently no okay so this was my
1: first time reading the book and then of course watching it
3: ditto ditto,
1: ditto. There wasn't much I didn't like about the story really. I mean, it's the Cybermen are kind of up to the normal Cybermen aspect stuff. It's kind of a weird meld of the moon the moon base and the invasion because you got the cyber controller off in the distance and the cybermen trying to find their way on uh with the added aspect of cybermats. Of course, Second Doctor is my new classic Doctor. So, he's that adds Volumes to the, the the story for me Jamie is as always fantastic. I think Zoe is my favorite female companion for the second doctor, so there's all these things that are stacked in my fa- in its favor to begin with and just the era that the show is made at this time is just so enjoyable to me, no matter what's truly really happening that I just have so much fun watching it even the smaller stuff that normally would bother me in other eras don't bother me in this. Um, it's... While while it's six parts, it doesn't feel stretched out to me. But it doesn't feel like it moves too quickly either. It feels like it moves at a, a steady pace that kind of takes its time to develop where things are going and develop the, the wheel characters... And I I really like the fact that it takes pretty much a whole episode to actually get to the wheel. It's the Doctor and Jamie alone on this rocket trying to figure out what's going on with this servo robot. I I really like the fact that it just takes its time getting to where it wants to go.
3: I was a little worried getting into it. I I read the book before I went into the the, the TV show. And it's it's funny because the book's written in such a way that you can really feel the beats of, okay, that's the cliffhanger. That's the end of that episode. Okay, here comes the. Oh, here's the. Yeah. That's going to be the end. Of, and so I was looking forward to watching it and seeing if I was right, where based <laughs> on where where these hit. But initially it was like, oh, this is. Uh, we've got a whole episode where we're just on the rocket ship and nothing's happening. Oh, there's a whole episode of this where there's just nothing going. And the doctor's unconscious. He must have been on holiday. Oh, there's a. But realistically, it's interesting what you said because the pacing of it, it's very measured. Oh, yeah. And it ramps up to that crescendo at the end. It does a really good job of that. And then once you get into the actual plot of the Cybermen and what they're attempting to accomplish when you find out that they're behind all this, everything kind of comes back to the rocket. And how, yeah. It's not just a conveyance from getting us, you know, getting onto the space station and kind of dealing with it. This is not one of those that you could cut two parts out of it and had a four-part adventure. Because you kind of need all of that stuff on the rocket in order to fulfill the eventual promise of the plan of how they were going to get on board and how the you know it was, it was really well constructed in that way, and I have to you know my, my initial thought of, oh man, this is going to be more worth it." Well, it really wasn't because it was it was all it kept bringing back to it. so yeah I liked once, that a once lot. you
1: kind of discover what the Cybermen what they were planning and what they were trying to do, it feels at least up to this point the most complex Cybermen plot so far. Because I mean, the tenth planet, it's Mondas is back. Oh, okay. And then moon bases. We're going to this. We're trying to get into this base so we can get to Earth. But it's it's not them thinking outside the box of how to do things. They just kind of go forward and go. This is the first I feel cunning Cybermen story. Well,
3: they had six whole phases to it. Oh yeah, and a, and a plan B. <laughs> yeah.
1: So and and the fact that they thought. Okay, we need to do this. We got to do this and get on the rocket, and then get the rocket over there and have this beryllium burn. That's not how they said it. But beryllium how, is all, all, I that's that's of, all, all I could think of. That's read. how I read it. I think they were saying bur- beryllium, weren't they? Beryllium. Beryllium yeah. rods. Yeah. And so they could get onto the wheel because they couldn't get on there otherwise. Or were they, they? bernarium? rods. Bernarium. Bernarium rods. I
3: think that's sure. <laughs> and and,
1: and <laughs> sending the cybermats through those bubbles so that they would eat the the rods so that they would have to go to the rocket it's just such a well thought out plan that well, and i liked like... the
3: the the added touch that the Cybermats can be programmed if they've got a mission that they are they're not harmful yeah because that would call attention to them and they, they've got to complete the mission for it. but then once the mission was complete flashing eyes and people are dying and yeah that was cool because that's not something i'd been exposed to really before Usually then, it's... Cyberman is like, <laughs> and, <laughs> You're,
1: you're kind of
2: used to Revenge of the Cybermen.
3: Yeah, that's true, Cybermen. True.
2: <laughs> Up until now, though, we hadn't had hypnotizing ones, right? We didn't have no. that in no, we one. didn't have that in uh, Tomb, mm-hmm. and we hadn't had that... No, this is, this is the first time that the Cybermen
1: have really kind of taken over other humans. And
3: to my knowledge only, in all oh, of well, the cyber stories, I don't remember no, a, a hypnotism be- aspect of well, it. Well, yeah. I mean, they've had the earbuds, but...
1: I, I think the closest thing, and it's not entirely the same, but the, the fact of the, the the bits they put on the humans' necks to keep it from happening is kind of similar to what they do later in the invasion. Yeah, yeah. But that's more to knock everybody out than right. to actually take them over. <clears throat> yeah, right.
3: Kind of makes you wonder why they didn't keep that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they, or I guess, too easily. It's it's
2: easier to invade when no one's conscious, as opposed well, to. I'll tell you, this is what I th- this is what I do with the Cybermen is. I don't think that the Cybermen all come from... I don't think their evolution is a natural... Well, this didn't work, so we do this, this didn't work. I think they all sort of come from different foundations of Cybermen. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the uh, Series 10 finale kind of helped with this because yeah. we had the Cybermen still on Mondas that went to Earth and were going to take over Earth from Mondas, but we also had this a uh, group of uh mondassian cyber mondassian cybermen on this ship also that was there so i kind of get the impression that they, that mondas was the mondas was the uh <laughs> foundation of the cybermen and out from there they kind of spread and then i think as each different i don't want to say faction but each different group evolved they evolved in a different way because we never when we come across the Cybermen, with the exception of rebooting the Cybermen for a different universe and starting their story over in uh, Army, of, uh, Steel, uh, Rise of Cybermen, Army of Steel, Rise of Cyberman, Army of Steel, Age of Steel, we never get the. Well, these were actually from Mondas. These were actually, you know, these were, for, you know, every time that we're reintroduced to the Cybermen, we don't go through this whole backstory of, of mm-hmm. going all the way back to Mondas. So I always get the impression that the reason why. It kind of kind of normalizes, I think, in the '80s, '70s, and '80s. But yeah. um, I think the reason why we have Cybermen with different abilities and different, even different styles and looks, is because of the the direction that that particular group of Cybermen evolved in the cybernetic process. And I think to me that always works with well. No, they didn't continue to keep changing to the you know because by the invasion we've got a whole nother evolution of yeah. Cybermen that are that are completely different than what we just see here. And I think the next step, right? I'm not. Mistaken. The next time we see the Cybermen, in linearly, is the invasion. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, I think that I always like to think that ma- the these are all time. really kind of different evolutions of Cybermen from that you know point that we got to. That's so. also oh, true too. The,
1: the line Rory has and a good man goes to war helps kind of lend to that too because he talks about the nth Cyber Legion where there could be other Cyber Legions out there doing other things and kind of de- devolving or er, evolving. In their direction too, so you can kind of glean that from several different instances, not just the season finale.
3: It's also true that the Cybermen have never really been presented chronologically. I don't feel in Doctor Who because when you look at Tomb, which is such an early entry, and yet it's set so far in the future that the Cybermenace is all but forgotten. Well, yeah, that, that people don't hardly even remember that these used to be marauding bands of Cybermen roaming the galaxy. The Cyber Wars are over, and, and so yeah. that now that they're in tomb, and yet that's so early in the run, and it, it kind of feels like every iteration that we get past that is maybe still a ragtag band that's out there somewhere that that. Although that turns this one,
1: in theory, should take place long before all of that.
3: Ever right. Happens. So, so this very easily could be more.
1: This, this feels more like it was, as, as great as Tomb is, this feels like a sequel to the moon base where they tried to invade Earth and want its resources, so they goes to the moon and tries to take over the base. It fails, so this is the next step in the plan of, okay, we go to this wheel right. and move forward, as opposed to whatever one-off Tomb was. I would agree and with that. And then eventually they succeed with the invasion. Tomb is kind of an anomaly, I think, in the Cyberman storytelling, at least of this era.
3: It would be interesting almost to try and put them in some sort of chronological order for for the Cyber timeline, just to
1: attack of the Cybermen make things really complicated. Because... Yeah, <laughs> there's
2: always got to be that one. That Trust that me, I've thought about there. this. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you were saying that. You felt you could feel the beats in the book where the cliffhangers were. I disagree. There was maybe only one or two, for me, there was only one or two places where I really felt like, okay, that probably is where the cliffhanger is. For me, when I read the book and I finished it, I kept thinking, how are they going to make this six parts? This That's what I book thought too. just clips right along. I could see four parts maybe, but five parts or six parts for this, I just couldn't figure out how they were going to do it. And then seeing it and then thinking back to the book, I kept thinking. I didn't. I don't think I even expected an entire first episode to be all Jamie and the Doctor trying to get to the ship. I didn't. I didn't even think that. I mean, that clipped along so fast for me in the book. I felt like that was maybe going to be the first fifteen second, or fifteen seconds, fifteen minutes of an episode, maybe twenty. I thought we'd already be on the ship by the time, or the wheel by the time we we got to the end of the first episode. So I was quite surprised by that. Well, twenty minutes would be an episode. <laughs> I think the other thing that I find interesting is Chrissy brought up the fact that you know she read the novel and then she kind of wondered what they did for the, the how the, the books are ov- obviously more nuanced and they have uh, uh, broader explanations for things and, and things yeah. that you necessarily can't get of And that's, that's quite frequent. But what I find sometimes, especially with these novelizations is I will read the book and then I'll watch the episode and not notice what was more detailed in the book I I often don't and it was the same case with this one but I think the difference for that me is I think particularly with when I read a book first at least with Doctor Who if I read a book first and then I watch the episode I think my brain fills in maybe the things that the details my brain does the same thing and so I don't notice them when I'm watching the series especially when you're you know have your attention (laughs) diverted by uh, words on a screen because this obviously four parts of this were uh, reconstruction And so I I don't notice them. So I actually kind of wonder if maybe I'm doing myself a disservice by reading the book first and then going and seeing the episode because I think maybe I would, because I get everything I need out of the novel. And then when I go to the TV, uh, televised version of it, then I'm not missing anything. I wonder if it would be different if I watched the episode and then went and read it, which I need to do now. That you know, because we've kind of been reserving the novelizations of these stories to mostly the lost, uh, uh, missing stuff that we've got, and we do that because I think it does help us, in especially, especially when we're watching a reconstruction. Um, so I think some of the things that we've already done and reviewed, those are the ones that I need to go to the novelization and see the details pointed out to me as I read it, because mm-hmm. I think that's very interesting. that it, it goes that way for well, me.
1: Well, I think there, I think. There's definitely a lot of that, I, but I feel like The Wheel in Space doesn't have as many extra details to it, and I think part of that is because some of the novel, all the novelizations are pretty much the same length, page-wise, and when you have a longer story, some of those details don't get fleshed out as much because they don't have to hit that page number. That's true. So when you have six parts, he's not going to add the extra details as much as he would for a four-part story. Is Black Orchid half the size of an average tar- target?
2: <laughs> it's probably just this long, and it's got <laughs> agonizing details. <laughs>
3: Here's ten backstories about all the party goers.
2: <laughs> no! So the other thing that I found interesting about uh, this is uh... oh, I lost my train of thought.
3: Well, while you're thinking of that, right. you're not wrong in the, the the way the mind fills in all these these details. But for me, that's why. I love reading the book, especially with a telesnap recon, because I, I it, it's it, it makes the, the recon so much more access, uh, accessible yeah, I would agree. for my brain, because I'm okay kind of glossing over maybe agree. some of that yeah. stuff that's not there, because I already have the details from the book. I think doing it in reverse, the I don't remember now which one it was that we did, where I, I watched the telesnap first, and then we went back to the novel, and it was just like, oh my god, it was just almost painful to try and sit through because i don't know my i just make my, my brain's wired to that i want <laughs> i want more flickering images than what you're giving me was it
2: fury because i think we've only done this for crusade fury and this right did we do it for galaxy four i don't we remember did we, did okay, so <laughs> we did it for galaxy four okay so we did for galaxy four as well
3: but i think by that point I don't, it had to have been one of the first ones we did whichever one that crusade one was would have been the first one well but i remember first. talking about reading the book first because I remember specifically in Crusade going, this is the way I'm doing it from now on. But
1: yeah, whichever
3: done, one, whichever one it was, I don't remember now. But I, I, I just
1: would it have been underwater menace. Let's see, that
2: one no, was later, I think. Yeah, but I think um, we did it with that too. Well, I mean, we've done we did Shada, where you've probably had seen Shada before you read the book.
3: maybe. Yeah, maybe. If did you're I say that. I, meant,
2: I? That's what I meant was Underwater. I said Fury from the Deep, but I meant Underwater Menace when I was counting the books.
3: But um, at any rate, I, I, I think, especially with the re, with the recons, it's good. Now, there are a ton of them that I had read the Target novelization as a kid that I didn't know any, like Web of Fear is one, yeah. that I had read the book before I ever saw the, 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 um, televised the televised version. And so that came as a great um, disconnect, almost because there were some scenes that were just shot for shot exactly what I had imagined. All the stuff in the in the <laughs> underground, the tunnels, and all of that was just right there. Um, and then there were other stuff that I just didn't picture that way at all. And so it kind of took my brain a little bit to kind of discard the, <laughs> the old visual in favor of the, no, this is what you had actually read. Uh, the War Games is another one that uh, is vastly different from what I read, hmm. uh, especially when they get to the... Um, the outside the the the, the um, games itself when they're in the kind of the control room and the alien oh. planetoid stuff like that was just a, a completely different visual for me, but um,
2: one of the things I'm discovering and I think it's especially with base under base under siege type stories is when I read the novelization and then I watch the televised version the televised version it just it really gives a sense of claustrophobia I know how mm-hmm. claustrophobic these sets are because. When I read this book, I had I had a, just not like a huge, giant, massive, you know, Death Star's Trials space, space station, but I had a larger, maybe um, two thousand one size space station kind of thing. I just had a, I had a bigger scope of what the space station might look like, and you don't really kind of put in perspective the claustrophobia that it feels like, you know, the claustrophobic oh, yeah. sets that they put together when you when you watch it. So For that was much much smaller and, yeah. and much narrow much more narrow.
3: Especially once inside the Magnificent Spaceship they're bewildered by its complexity and sheer size. (laughs)
2: Well, they are in the novelization. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Look at the size of that one, Doctor. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yes, Jamie, it is a big one, isn't it?
1: One thing that I didn't glean from the novel that I, or at least I didn't visualize it this way, was when the Cybermen first actually appear. Yeah. I, I did not imagine them in the giant bubbles too. Yeah, I thought they just came out of a box. <laughs> so did I. And I don't know if that was just me just now, doing
2: the, the standard Cyberman thing in my head. Well, the, it, the it bubbles mentioned were...
3: that they punched through, because I, I remember thinking, oh, that's well, kind of the same thing. But
2: see, I sort of felt that they were in a box in the cellophane that we usually see them in, those type, you know, those cocoons. And that's what they were punching through, which that's you know, what made sense to me. Now the bubble visualization for the cybermats going over to the ship that, from the rocket—that that, was—and that—that was, yes. that, in fact, it's almost—it's interesting that even in the Telesnap version, seeing that going on, okay, that's kind of how I imagined it as I was reading the book as well.
3: I really, really enjoyed because as different as it was, the way that I forget the actual wording of the passage, but Turn Stick says something to the effect of. Like an embryo, and I just got cold chills <laughs> visualizing this cyber egg, you know for lack of a better term, and it's just it's it's almost uh h r geiger worthy of kind of the horror that that
2: what's well, kinda of how it was in the uh uh televised episode, yeah, I yeah
3: agree. so that part was really cool, yeah,
1: I just really liked all the characters too. The supporting cast, I really enjoyed. Yeah,
3: there wasn't really anybody to root against. They were all kind of likable people. And as the Indians part started and the first death happened, it was like, oh, no, not that guy. Because you had kind of grown a little attached to all these people. I'm
2: and... starting getting tired of, and it's not... I think it's just more in the way that we've been doing this and not to the fault of the, the series at all. But I'm getting a little tired of the captain or commander of, of a ship or a planet... <laughs> Going crazy through the process yeah. of this. I mean we've had this It's almost cliche. We had point. it in Evil of the Daleks, so he wasn't the captain, but he was he was a main guy that, you know, just went insane. We had that more recently Tenth with something Planet. else. Yeah, Tenth Planet. I mean, we've just we I, I don't know I it's well, just it's, I think because we've had this all kind of bottled so up together, but uh, bases of, of
1: these the commander's other bases in these type of stories. I mean ice warriors the commander there is kind of the same way kind yeah of, he, he doesn't we hadn't crazy. done that one re- recently no, i just but... i feel
2: like there was a chunk here just recently with I mean, and by that i mean like the last six to eight months that i just i, I mean, even underwater menace we had the the, yeah. The, yeah. The, <laughs> the the guy was a mad was mad anyway but it just you know progressively becomes more and more mad <laughs> tobias vaughn does the same thing in in the yeah. invasion but we haven't done that in a while either so I don't know. It's just, it just it's, fits it's to the era. It's one of those things that yeah, maybe that's that that that's what it is. It's just when you got a base under siege, that's the way you're going to go with it. But that's how you add extra drama. I suppose this guy went completely like in in a box. Though he went from being <laughs> this like in control kind of guy to yep, nope, I'm going to deal with it. Not going to deal with it. Well, <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's when, different. when it first started <laughs>
1: happening. I thought, oh, he's under cyber control. That's what I thought. too. And the fact that he actually wasn't, wow, yeah. that really impressed me.
3: And I don't know if that was the red herring that we were supposed to believe or not. I don't know if it was intentionally set up to be a misdirect that, oh, you think he's under cyber control only to find out that he's crazy or if it's just part of the trope that the base commander tends to go crazy in these kinds of it, stories.
2: If it was supposed to be red herring, I missed it because I didn't see it. I just, oh. I thought the guy was literally just folding because things weren't going the right way. He's, well, he was, The novel he was, definitely puts it that yeah, way more. Yeah, he was just a control. I mean, he's, he's a guy that... that He's a routine guy. And when things get outside the routine, he had no way to handle it. He had no idea how to handle it.
3: I did question a little bit about the... So we went over to the ship, and we find these two guys, and we bring them back, and we nurse them back to health. And the first thing is, well, let's take them on a tour and show them the power of to, to the laser beam. And it's like, <laughs> where's the where's the interrogation? Not that I necessarily need that, but shouldn't there have been a somebody going, so how did you get on the rocket? Why are you here? keep him under surveillance don't show him the laser
2: yeah (laughs) i don't know because i i I apply that to like modern stories but like i maybe i'm used to that with dr who's you just got a little more free reign when you show up somewhere yeah (laughs) well and
1: and i can't remember what exactly joey did joey zoe (laughs) jamie did oh (laughs) <laughs> Are you shipping Zoe and Jamie? <laughs> well, I always
2: pictured him and Victoria, but whatever. No, no, here, let's since you brought that up, let's go this way route because I've always kind of felt that there was a different dynamic between Jamie and Zoe and than there was with Jamie and Victoria. Oh, and yeah. the interesting thing about it is I never could really put my finger on it, but it wasn't until this episode and there was almost a little bit of a, a school uh schoolboy and girl. Teasing, almost like a uh, um, romance thing, like like flirting, teasing. You know, like, you know, how young kids kind of flirt and tease at the same time. Yeah, especially boys, they tease with they tease girls that they're flirting. They they, they get flirting and it's really not, but they that's kind of how they do it. There was that here, and then it it, it clicked on me. I was like, Jamie and Victoria were always a brother, big brother, little sister yeah. relationship. Oh, Zoe okay. and Jamie, I think he really had a thing for Zoe. I think he really did. I think it that that spark is is laid here. And then now suddenly my mind just went, oh, that totally explains that that relationship, and how they were together. He always seemed very protective in with Victoria in yes. a big brotherly type way. He's always been very protective of Zoe in more of a jealous type way, in in, in the fact that he's 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 jealous somebody else. You know, it was it was it was, it was it's less brotherly and more you know a uh, uh, romantic sense. So I hadn't necessarily seen that uh,
1: brotherly before, but now that you mention it. Yeah, I've always felt he was
3: more brotherly with, with with Victoria. And I've always kind of wondered if there wasn't a little bit... Because cause he and Zoe have that kind of almost healthy one-upsmanship. It, see, it, they almost it, have
1: more best friend aspect to me than a aspect. Yeah, maybe. Aspect.
3: But um, in this one especially, where you can see that, oh, right off the bat, that's where this came from. That this isn't a, a long-sanding thing. That this is a... You know, and, and having just come back off the crotons and, you know, the, the teaching machine, and she says something about, well, you wouldn't have been any good to <laughs> just, just, yeah. Um, but I was kind of sh- And, again, it's a different era. It's a different time that these things were written. But when he, when he first meeting, first meeting, he, she makes a comment, and he says, oh, yeah, about the, the kilt. And he's like, oh, I'll take you over my knee. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Are you allowed to even insinuate that? back then well then then
2: she says that sounds like it's going to be fun (laughs) that's what she says
3: (laughs) I don't think Jamie was ready for a modern woman of the future (laughs) I I really don't so first appearance of Zoe which I, I kind of sort of intellectually knew that but I don't think I really it wasn't until I picked up the book in earnest and started reading it because you'd even given it to me, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Oh, yeah. And didn't even register there were Cybermen on the cover, really. <laughs> you so it wasn't until I started reading it, and then I stopped and I looked at it, and I went, oh, this is a Cyberman story. <laughs> okay, I know what I'm in for. And then I read a little bit further, and I flipped it over, and I looked at it, and went, the wheel, and said, oh, this is where Zoe's from. Okay, when did she show up? So it just, I don't know why. My brain was just not you know, firing at all. And so it was putting all those details together and in my head this is kind of exactly how Zoe comes into it i've like, cuz i've never seen this one before at all but yet i had no idea that she was a stowaway oh
2: yeah i didn't either
3: or yet another <laughs> in a long line of stowaways oh apparently. i thought you meant
2: on the wheel you mean in the TARDIS. well well i mean i mean both she isn't it, she
3: isn't I, I didn't i didn't realize well yeah i she she attempts but, to stowaway yeah. she attempts to stowaway she's very bad at it <laughs>
1: I really like the growth she has throughout this entire story of how she's very logic and and data and information and really wants and is striving to become more than that and sees the Doctor and Jamie as a way to be that way. Yeah, I really like that. All. I did too. And how she's questioning, well, he says I'm more machine than human. And yeah, I just... Her entire growth is fantastic.
3: And then my heart broke when we got to episode six, and they're getting ready, and Jamie says, oh, don't worry, Zoe, we won't forget you. And I went, because uh, you will. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Wow. Tiny little pieces right here just <laughs> crumble.
2: I think this, this gives her... From, from the perspective of, of knowing the, the Jamie and Doctor and Zoe stories that we've seen and that we, we're familiar with, I think it was more in perspective of her analytical, logical mind, yeah. too. I think that without this story, that seems kind of weird and cold to me. Now seeing this story and reading this story, that completely fixes all of that, any sort of weird, gosh, she's just really kind of, not even heartless. I never really felt she was heartless, but she didn't really feel like she was as, Warm and compassionate, as other female companions were, and I, I kind of she was just
3: very practical.
2: That's just it, and I always kind of figured it's well, it's because she has more of an analytic mind. But now having some basis for why she has an analytic mind like that, she, the 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 doctor basically said, the, the the psychiatrist, I can't remember her name, uh, the Gemma Gemma, Gemma. says uh, says to her, you know, well, you were you were brainwashed. <laughs> you were uh, you're, yeah. you're one of the few people that that you know weren't wasn't exactly brainwashed because. It's addressed that you know they, that she's just very un- uncaring, and it's not that she's uncaring, but that that's what they that's the impression that she gives to to at least two people in the in, oh, yeah. in situations, and so it, it by addressing that I thought okay that completely makes her character. I mean, it makes you want <laughs> makes you want to go back and watch all of Doctor Who <laughs> in order and go okay, this really explores this character a lot better. But
1: well, and Zoe gets the benefit over most companions of the classic series that those character traits actually continue for her. And she grows more. I mean, she she gets to continue to show that analytical brain throughout her run of the show as opposed to forgetting it two episodes later. Yeah. Or the very next episode.
2: True.
3: Especially in The Invasion and, you know, some of the other ones down the, the line. The Crotons. She's directly <laughs> responsible for, you know... Yeah. Com- com- computing something that's going to save the day. Yeah, And doing it so much better than Adric. Dominators, <laughs> I think, even. We finally got you
2: to get have some sympathy for Adric, and then suddenly you're backing off again. We need to get him some more Adric, I suppose. <laughs> He's deprogramming. Yeah. I've been brainwashed.
0: <laughs>
1: Anything else about
2: this story you guys want to chat so about?
1: My one small complaint, and it's a really small one, and I, I don't...
3: Canine wasn't in the book. Well, no, that would have been amazing <laughs> then it would be perfect
1: uh i as far as the actual t v version, I didn't like the actual Cybermen voices and i i it took me a while to think about this and so obviously the Cybermen talk in the tenth planet they don't I, they don't actually talk in the moon base, do they? they're just a non speaking Ominous threat. I can't remember well enough, but I think you might be right.
0: And then the only one that doesn't
1: speak, and the only one that speaks in Tomb is the cyber Cyber, leader. Cyber controller, or cyber leader, yeah. Or cyber controller, whichever it is. And so that voice for the cyber leader here, controller, was in line, but the actual Cybermen, I did not like their voices. That's my big complaint with the story. Well, it head must head have canning. been a great story then, if that's your biggest complaint. <laughs> <Head> <laughs> and, and, and that's a Cyberman fanatic being like, "Oh, that voice isn't quite right." Uh, yeah, head but canning I mean, that goes
3: back to what Glenn said. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, it, the uh, stuff uh, yeah. sequence just could have been. Not, better Not voices. to mention,
2: I mean, you you put up with it through most of the '80s too. <laughs> I mean, Well, but, to but late '70s,
1: but that's early like '80s. The, I, I guess
3: the what, '80s make all the difference, though, because you got David Banks. <laughs> When David Banks goes, excellent. It's okay. like <laughs> see. I guess when I
1: think of the Cybermen from this era, I hear the leader's voice, and when I hear the other voices, it's just jarring to me. Oh, okay, more than anything, because it has that such iconic voice of "You shall become like us." I was Cy- more
2: grateful for the Cybermen voices because I could understand them. The Cyber Controller, I could barely see. I ha- almost them. had the reverse. Really,
3: I just like the fact that they don't all sound like Daleks yeah <laughs> I, and, and, They don't and, all have the same voice well yeah I'm just sure. in, in, in uh, a way yeah. that helps it does help the a idea that these were people once upon a time is that maybe that little piece of their uh, you know humanity, humanity or, or whatever um, that the, is
2: an inconsistency that I can't be bothered by <laughs> sorry Keith. <laughs> well, I know, it's just, I know it was a cyberman fan that's more, why more than it was
1: more than it, if if this by, by the end of the story, I was all right with it. It was just so jarring at first. I was like, that's not if a this had been voice. Like, what are they doing? If
2: this would have been like, I think it was Planet. Planet of the Daleks, I think. If you watch the non-special edition version, the Daleks sound horrid. I mean, it's well, completely it, changed and completely different. Like if it had been that, like Daleks were they sound like this, and they sound like this, and they sound like this, and they sound like this... All consistently, and then suddenly you throw it in there and go, eh, "Oh my gosh, that is not a Dalek!" And then we return to the consistency of the Daleks. Yeah. That bothers me. It's but like when well, canine there's there's very little gets laryngitis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's very little consistency in well, the Cybermen side. It, it wasn't until it I can't really sat
1: down me. to start thinking about it that the fact that we really don't have them talking that much after 10th Planet yeah. until we get the Cyber Leader again. So it, it, it was maybe, just... Maybe that's it. Maybe It, it was it, just a jarring thing that it was like a,
2: whoa, that didn't sound maybe right. Maybe because and I then, placed that into my whole headcanon of how they all kind of evolved from yeah, different yeah. groups, maybe.
3: I, I was very pleased to... Um,
2: they also look remarkably different <laughs> later, too. <laughs> not much later, either. Yeah. So.
3: The bit on the rocket with the, the robot <clears throat> reading, it's just... And the robot does this. Like, okay. And then seeing the telesnap of the robot and sitting up and going, oh, that's a servo robot. Because I have the Doctor Who technical manual at home that showed me pictures oh. of this robot, <laughs> which I've never seen on screen yeah. before. And was like, oh, well,
2: that's funny." where that's from. But see, I think I knew that that's what that was from. And I, I thought the sa- I was kind of in the same boat as you, but it was when I was reading the book. And they said servo robot in there. I went, see, that's just oh, I bet you know. this is, see, to me, I went. Yeah, I, went, I didn't make that leap I, at all. I imagine, immediately went, did that leap to the technical manual and went, oh, I'm okay, that's that robot. And then I could, from that point on, I could visualize it all the way through. And then actually it took a step in the evolution in my mind when I saw it because I thought this even looks cooler than it did in the technical <laughs> manual. Because, you know, those line drawings in yeah. the technical manual, you and know, they always broke it down into blueprint type stuff, but. Yeah, I uh, I actually thought it was really kind of a cool looking robot. It was a screen. really cool
3: looking robot, and again, coming on the tales of our Friday Night Who, which was the dominant or the uh, the Crotons,
2: which are not cool, looking robots. which are robots. not cool looking robots. <laughs> and and you want to talk? Don't have good voices either.
3: <laughs> not, well, you want to talk voices, man? When that one's going, his accent is so <laughs> atrocious, and he's like, "Yo, we're gonna go and do the thing," but he's trying to be mechanical. <laughs> I was having a hard time keeping a straight face during most of the Crotons. were South African robots. Oh, they were something, <laughs> all right.
1: So if, we haven't really touched on the reconstruction that Britbox did. Yeah, yeah. I thought they did a really good job.
2: I think that. they did too. Um, it is very much in line with loose cannon style of of uh, reconstructions. I could tell there were scenes that were used you know, in episode three that had been utilized from episode one. Yeah. And I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that because it doesn't adhere to the uh, BBC's way of doing it where they did this a little bit with uh, Web of Fear, the one particular episode that they recon, uh, reconstructed that way. And then terribly bad with uh, underwater, underwater, menace. underwater Menace, where they just chrono- chronologically put them together and sometimes people were talking that weren't talking and it was in an odd place. It just, that didn't work. By using the telesnaps almost as um religiously as the portrayal on the screen is better for me to be able to even if i'm seeing a clip from somewhere else it still helps visually knowing who's talking where we're at in the scene um there are a lot of scenes where there's a lot of blur because this the snap was on uh, and i was even fine with that i didn't have any issues and they didn't i didn't feel like they had to step away from the action much to you know to 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 grab from somewhere else. But they occasionally they noticeably did it, but I preferred that. And so I I think Loose Cannon, and I haven't had a lot of experience with others, but Loose Cannon's always been a favorite of mine as far as the reconstructions. So I, I was I was very pleased that they worked with Loose Cannon on this one to put this together.
3: I agree. I, th- I think it was one that was really well put together. And there were a couple of times when I, I felt it was odd that we had the subtitling up at the bottom about the Dr. Crosses and opens a cabinet and blah, blah, blah. And I went... Why would you need that? That was pretty... Oh, yeah, I read the book. I know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I had to keep pulling myself back from that and putting it... Yeah, okay, that's that's a needed bit of, of stage direction there. But overall, I, was, I, I thought it was really well done. There
2: I, is one mistake. In the last episode, I believe it is, we get a description at the bottom that says, Bill raises the wrench and brings it down on the control panel.
3: And is electrocuted. And is
2: electrocuted long before it happens. And then it comes up again, where I think they must accidentally slipped it into the wrong place because the bill hasn't even come into the room yet, (laughs) and that pops up there. And I thought, oh, did this happen then? Like, did this happen in the background? Because I knew it happened in the book. Yeah. But I said, did this happen in the background when they were doing this? And that's why that comes up there. And then, and it's not up a long time. It happens really quick. In fact, it was hard for me to read it because it almost came and went so fast. Because there's dialogue, and they don't often put it up there when there's Mm -hmm. dialogue. And there was dialogue as they were doing it too. And it's when the doctor's still talking on the, the computer screen. And it was... No, it wasn't. he wasn't on the computer screen at that time. I think it was when Zoe and, and um, Jamie and uh, Flanagan had come back in. Anyway, it's... It happens and then it happened later. And when I saw the same information text, I went, Oh, that was a mistake. There. That shouldn't have been there. This is where Bill actually smashes the control panel.
3: Well, I wonder too if it's actually different because in the book he smashes the control panel, somebody tries to tackle him, he throws him off, and then somebody else shoots him.
2: Yeah, there is more to and and, and he
3: dies versus Bill is electrocuted. So now I'm kind of curious to know which one is authentic. You know I what I mean? imagine they would go off the scripts more That's kind of what I'm wondering. Is, did yeah. they decide maybe that in the shooting of it that, well, that's kind of a little harsh and we don't want to portray any of these people oh, I as see what bad? You're saying. Oh. So no, they changed I would... it to electrocuted and Terrence Dix went back to the script version and no, said, no, we get I, would, I shot. would
2: suspect that Der- Terrence probably embellished it a little bit more yeah, for there to be more I action too. there.
3: Yeah. yeah, I was just, I was just curious. I,
2: I'm just presuming that, but I would assume that it was Terrence just giving a little more detail there. So I don't know if it
1: was the way I watched it, or it could be a combination. It could be a combination of the way I watched it, the story, and the way the reconstruction was done. But I thoroughly enjoyed the reconstruction of this. I did too.
3: Did you sit and do it all in one chunk? No, I broke it it up up. for
1: a different episode every every day, except for one day I watched two back-to-back.
3: Did you do it I watched them all
2: together today. today? Yeah, I watched them this morning.
3: I did all mine today.
2: I, I
1: really liked it being spread out. I think that really helped, at least for me not having so much to I don't want to say slog to be, through because it's never slogging when it's Doctor Who, but it's so much to try to handle It can be when it's a recon with it's just telesnaps. <laughs> yeah. Splitting those up so it's thirty minutes of okay, there's just pictures and audio and that's all and then going on and doing other things I think really helped me well and a, I think it's enjoy a tes- it more too.
3: It's a testament to the story of this one that Billy stuck with it. He watched the whole thing with me and he hadn't read the book. So he didn't know it was coming. In fact, he was so into it that even after we had discussed that there are two live-action segments, and I went and looked, and I said, oh, it's three and six, and he says, okay. And we got through with episode three, and then episode four started with live-action. And then cut to the cell snaps in the middle. And, oh. and I looked at him, and I went, well, you know what's the last one? I said, but what was that? I said, well, that was the recap, but they already had that. And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But just the fact that he was into it to that level. I don't of...
2: remember any of them not being.
1: Do you just mean when it went back to Telesnaps?
2: Yes. Okay, because the entire episode one,
3: two, was it the third one that was third there? one was live
2: live action? Yeah. Okay, so the all of one, all of two, were Telesnaps. The entire thing.
3: And no recap. No that reca- I remember.
2: Well, no, they recapped Uh-oh. in both of them, and then Did they? yeah, and with telesnaps for from two because that was telesnaps in the third one it was live but they had started the episode and the recap was then which that was another thing i kind of questioned that i thought well if you've got the animated part and it's an exact recap or animated uh live action part it's an exact recap why wouldn't you just take that little section from the the moving pictures one and stick it in the end of the one but i could see where Maybe that would be jarring enough that it made more sense to keep this whole... But the entire, there's no place where it goes without a a credits break. There's no place where it goes from telesnaps right into animation. Or live, live, action. Or live action. No, but Keeps in
3: saying. episode four, it starts with live action because it's the end of the third part, which is live action, and then goes to telesnaps no, at the very beginning. No, it starts
2: with telescaps at the beginning, which is I thought was interesting that... 3 we ends with this. live action or yeah you know, with live action with moving telegram with t- moving pictures and then 4 started with non moving pictures I'm
3: convinced pictures. that it didn't maybe the only
2: moved. thing that's different is the the open of every one of them had moving image from right cuz it's the, the title doctor, yeah, the maybe space. maybe
3: that's what he was referring to but it, I, it I thought for sure it had no
2: it, no they were because I was again I it made me think back each time well, they could have just taken that little piece of yeah. the live action and put it at the end of this one or at the beginning of the next one. Yeah, there was no hmm. at no point that they did they switch back and forth.
3: Okay, I thought they didn't, but but yeah, uh, the fact that Billy stuck with it, I think, is a testament to the fact that this is a good story. Because normally, Billy will watch classic who he doesn't have a problem with that, but Telesnap Snap Classic who he's not. Yeah, <laughs> he's not a fan.
2: <laughs> not everyone can do it. As much as I like the Telesnap reconstruction of this one, it is kind of a relief when you get to that third episode. You go, and and that could be part of it too, is the fact that
1: you get to about halfway and you get a live action or a a moving picture episode, and then you do two more Telesnaps, and then you get a a moving picture. You're rewarded
3: for yeah, Yeah, a little bit. I think that helps with the pacing, maybe a little bit too. This one could be also, yeah. I hope that this is an indicator that there are going to be more of these available on BritBox. I hope so, too. Um, as a... I, I took advantage of the free trial for this week to get to be able to see this one. And uh, just kind of poking around on BritBox, it's very cool. At this point, it's not something that I would subscribe to and actually pay for.
1: When you have such a big DVD collection but that's, like you have. That's part
3: of the problem, is that at least when it comes to the Doctor Who... I'm down to eight episodes that I don't own. I've got everything else that's available. So. so you have
1: stuff that's not even on BritBox.
3: Yeah. But BritBox now has stuff that, you know... Now that's one story that you don't have. So, so now if they're going to continue to put recons yeah. up there, these other things, if that's going to be a thing moving forward, it's like, okay, that may actually be, you know, at least from being able to see it standpoint, that may be a, a, a contender to get me to subscribe to it.
2: And it's really six ninety nine a month isn't bad. Yeah, seven bucks is really manageable right now. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Let's talk about what we have left on the schedule.
3: (laughs) The schedule. (laughs) The schedule for next week. Our Friday night who selection is Frontios with the Fifth Doctor and Turlo which we had done relatively recently, but it turns out that there's a reason that we need to go back and revisit Frontios. So once again, there that's... There is a, a very strong reason. Oh, have you got to that already? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so at, uh, again, 10.30 Friday night, please join us for that. And uh, you can follow along on Twitter and the hashtags are hashtag FridayNightWho and hashtag Frontios. And if you're so inclined, hashtag Who. Our show next week is a companion archive, which we've not done in a while. Um uh, in a little bit of an offshoot way, because we're dealing with a companion that's kind of only a companion in some people's minds, and she's a she's a force of nature in others. Uh, we're going to be talking about Iris Wildtime, and uh, the two big finish audios that we've chosen for this companion uh, archive are Excelis Dawns and the Warmery, which I believe is number forty-nine or 51, fifty-one, I believe, somewhere in the in the first half uh, ish of uh, of the main range and so we'll be discussing those on the podcast next week the following week our friday night who selection is um unearthly child to celebrate um uh, william russell uh which was going to be william russell and uh caroline ford uh, caroline ford unfortunately is out yeah. as well so uh, we'll still celebrate with william russell Uh, And, of course, we may or may not be able to actively partake in that, just depending on what the con schedule and uh, our our requirements and obligations are. Uh, But then uh, the reason we're doing that is for Time Eddie 3 down in Wichita. Uh, Again, uh, surely you want to come to this thing because it's so cool. Don't just take my word for it. You should be there. Um, But go check out their website and see, you know, everything they've got planned. And, of course, we'll be there, which is an added bonus to any event. Uh, We are available for birthday parties as well, so uh, contact us through the website for that.
2: All right. Anything else we need to talk about this week before we close this show?
1: I don't think so.
3: All right. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling
2: the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.